Real Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. We're joined today by Brad Inman, the publisher and owner of Inman News. Brad is an award-winning journalist, entrepreneur, and the founder of, and investor in, several well-known media and technology companies, including Inman News, Home Game, Curbed, Vox Media, Turn Here, and Vook. He's most well-known for his founding role at Inman News, and today we're going to explore what makes this publication so important for real estate professionals. Now, let's welcome Brad to the show as we join our host, Tim Harris. So, Brad, first of all, thank you uh, for joining us today, and thank you for being my co-host, and thank you very much, and most importantly, for all the great advice, information, and insights you're about to share with all of our listeners. Oh, and I should thank you for one more thing. Thank you for allowing us to syndicate on your website. It's been fantastic for us, and hopefully that's been a good relationship for you as well. So, Absolutely, Tim. It's been great having you. Everybody loves your podcast. What? Every day they get to see it. It's fantastic. Except for the people that send negative comments in. They don't like they don't love it. Well, that means, we've, that we've means had... that you're stirring it up and people are awake and that's good. <laughs> Actually we've never had a negative comment. I get e- emails occasionally where people will tell us that they want more of this and less of that, but other than that it's good. So thank you for that. Um so no let's problem. do a little let's do a little background. So the, I love talking to people like you because this I think I've told you this before, Brad. When I talk with you, I learn something, um, and I learn things that I don't think you necessarily are realizing or learning events for the person you're talking to. So you and I have had conversations in the past that have resulted in me thinking about what you've said for, like, weeks after. <laughs> I can oh, my God. Yeah, well, I, I can give you some examples later in the show, but you have that uh, depth and breadth of experience, of life experience, but also business experience, that it's it's extremely impactful. So listeners, please pay attention to what he says, not just the questions I ask, but listen to how he answers the questions and pay attention to where his thought process goes as he's answering the questions because if you can somehow tune in your own energy to flow and think like Brad does, you will be successful. Look at his own resume. So Brad, Inman News, after a long career, after a long history with many startups, you know, some in the real estate industries, you know, most not, why did you decide to start Inman News? Well, I was um, a consumer journalist, and the, and the uh, impetus for Inman News kind of happened accidentally, Tim. I was uh, writing for major metropolitan newspapers. I focused on real estate and architecture and urban planning and a couple other boring subjects like urban planning. And uh, I came across a, a little mini scandal at the National Association of Realtors, uh, where they, in Imagine 1996... That. Yeah, they had wasted some money of their um, members, and that was when the commercial Internet happened. And so I was like a lot of people online, and I went to one of my editors and said, ah, I discovered a scandal at the National Association of Realtors. And remember, these are consumer publications, and my editor at the time said, I don't think anyone cares about that, Brad. So I threw this story up on the Internet very early, um, 1996, and Suddenly, I had all of these, not consumers, but uh, agents, uh, 
industry people who, you know, early adopters on the Internet, they read it and they, for the most part, applauded that someone was uh, reporting on the industry from an independent perspective. Um, we don't have conflicts of interest at Inman. Um, our reporters don't. We're completely independent. We're not real estate consultants. We're not um, paid by any of our uh, people we write about, and it was refreshing, I think, for the industry to see an independent voice that was willing to talk about these things that the members were either aware of and were upset about or in the dark. So I give NAR's little scandal credit, and then suddenly readership started growing, and, and the company grew from there. So it's it purely an accident. It was no big plan, no big business uh, PowerPoint, uh, just kind of a freak set of circumstances. But again, the power of the internet and digital publishing, and as we all know, it's changed all of our lives, and that was for us. you know. And now, ever since then, I have this incredible loyalty and devotion to giving the industry that independent news and information. And some people don't like it, and we certainly, you know, uh, anger the fat cats, but, um, you know, that's kind of our duty and our job. Um, and so we love our readers, and you know many of of your of your clients, uh, Tim. Uh, it's just a great industry, full of colorful, interesting people. So again, listeners, I hope you heard what he said, and I'm going to drill down on one thing he kind of touched on this twice. It's the reason I've always listened ever in read ever since your. Uh, you started in the news features back in the you know a long time ago. I've I've read it, and the thing I've always appreciated about it is that it was uh, I don't know how else to say it other than like a non-denominational voice in the industry. Everybody else was trying to had an agenda. Sometimes it wasn't even that hidden. So when you read uh, like Inman Select, for example, it's fantastic because you're not feeling like you're being trying you're trying to be uh, persuaded to think one way or the other and your reporters give uh, it the real reporters you know not people like me who aren't real reporters who you know write and act like we are sometimes but they give a balanced approach giving both sides of the story and nobody else in the industry is doing that in such a way that a agent or a broker you know or whomever else can read the information and know that they're not trying to be sold something and that's unique um, and you mentioned, and I'm sure it's true, that you do sometimes uh, get on the wrong side, in at least their eyes, of some of the fat cats in the industry. How do you how do you monitor that at the same time knowing that you need access to them for your stories? Well, um, I think the the folks that are um, you know sophisticated about the way the press works, and once they recognize they can't pay us off. Um, they understand we have pretty massive distribution. You know, have hundreds of thousands of realtors reading us on a regular basis. And it'd be kind of stupid of people to not take us somewhat seriously. On the other hand, Tim, there's no question there are people in the industry that we make so mad that they kind of boycott us. They don't cooperate with us. Um, they, you know, boycott our events. And it used to be a pretty big number. I think it's a lot less. Um, and uh, that's just the way it works. The media, if you're doing your job and if you're truly independent and you don't have an agenda, and by the way, we do have an agenda, which I'll speak to, but if if you don't have a an agenda that people can't figure out that's self-serving or full of conflicts of interest, um, you know, people people will ultimately respect you. Now, we got to be balanced. We got to ask for all points of view. If we mark something opinion, or if we write something that has an opinion, we got to mark it as opinion. 
And uh, so we have to be careful. But we do have one agenda, and that's to try to inform and educate and keep agents current on what's next, what's happening with their competitors, what's happening with technology, you know, what's happening with best practices, new business models, because there's a lot of stuff happening now. And, um, you know, it's important for agents to be really on top of those trends. Some of it, you know, may not be relevant, but there's usually a pony in there somewhere for most of our readers. So this industry is, uh, the trend is to act like it's agent-centric, but the reality of it is, um, is that it's not. It's very broker-centric. It's very, it's very institutional, keep things the same centric. I'm, you know, that's my opinion, observation. I'm, I imagine we're in alignment with that. So when you say you're agent-centric, what does that mean? Or when you say you're well, agent-focused, educating and – Yeah. Yes. I've always said, you know, I've often on taught at Cal Berkeley at the uh, journalism school and the B school, and if I could spend an evening with a bunch of faculty at Cal or with a handful of agents – uh, my preference would be the agents, much more colorful, much more interesting. Don't take them so seriously, uh, themselves so seriously. And the reason I use that example is um, I actually like the everyday agent who's out there, you know, every morning without a job, um, <laughs> who is gunning for opportunity and is motivated by reward commissions and sales. Now, there's a lot of bad agents. You and I both know that. But there's a lot of really, really great agents. And um, so I'm motivated by helping them. You know, the fat cats upwards in the value chain, you know, they're pretty well taken care of. Um, you know, they, they have nice corporate offices. You know, they have uh, administrative assistants. They have... You know, they have all kinds of things, but that independent agent needs everything they can get. And, you know, it's why your segment segment of the industry is, is exploded, I think, Tim. Why do we need coaches? Well, someone in the value chain isn't providing that training, that mentorship, and that coaching as they should. And so the agents have had to reach out to independent folks who are providing it as well as you do. And that accounts, I think, for your success. Uh, there are really good brokers. I, I'm, you know, it's not like there's a whole, you know, basket of bad apples. There's a lot of fantastic brokers. There's some really good franchises, and uh, but a lot of, you know, I, I recently visited a major city, and I I met with a young new broker who had started a company at Properties in Chicago, and Thad Wong and his partner, and they they built this incredible culture. You know, they. I met them at the Soho house where they hang out. They started in kind of a marginal neighborhood that was being gentrified and they spread to become one of the largest brokers in all of Chicago land. The same trip I met with an old school broker and, you know, he had lines of pictures of, of great grandfather, grandfather, um, wonderful guy, very serious, but just each of them were speaking two different sets of languages. One was about clearly the future and one was about kind of sitting on the old model and trying to eke out the best margins possible. And it reminds me of the newspaper business. You know, the newspapers sit, you know, on their laurels for way too long. And a friend of mine, Craig Newmark, started Craigslist and wiped them out. And I think what's happening now, there's not going to be just an agent-centric world, but there are going to be fewer brokers and franchises that don't need the test of what changes coming upon them and aren't adopting and helping their agents uh, with technology and other things. Uh, there are agent-centric brokers out there, uh, but a lot of them Definitely. aren't. 
Um, so Inman has been accused of being overly um, technology biased in a positive way, right? So what's your opinion of that? Is that something just because that's the nature of how everything is going? And, of course, because you're forward-thinking and, you know, Inman News Features and Inman Select specifically is, has become or is becoming the next, you know, is the Bloomberg of, you know, news in the real estate industry. So obviously we're going to be focused more on technology. Or, or, or So how do you respond to that? Yeah, well, it's really our roots. Um, you know, when I was a consumer writer, I, you know, I wanted to change the world. And when I when I turned Inman into an industry B2B publication, I continued to want to change the world. And my hope was that uh, the adoption of technology by the industry or, for you know, it didn't have to be adoption by the industry. It could be some startup that did something better. Um, and uh, I really believe that. I believe that we could create a better consumer experience through technology. I used to, in the old days, think public policy and politicians would create a better world. And I gave up on that a long time ago. Um, as a journalist, but I, I continue to believe that if if good technology is created, if it's adopted by the industry, at the end of the day, we create a better consumer experience. So, um, and it's not just technology. We've matured and grown, but you know, at the time, Tim, we were kind of the only ones talking about it. The industry was afraid of technology, so even the trade groups kind of ignored it, and um, because it was threatening, you know, people were wringing their hands. They didn't want to read about all these things happening. And so we became uh, a voice for introducing the industry to all these new incredible technologies that were coming along the pike. And honest, we, we said some things about some of them that were way off and way wrong. We thought they were going to change the world, and they didn't. But other things truly changed the world. When we started, I, I said our vision was, you know, every listing should have a visual, a walkthrough, a virtual walkthrough, a video, or, um, you know, some sort of a visual presentation. Two, every listing should be on the Internet. And, and three, we should have an automated transaction. And uh, we thought if that happened, it would be just a better experience for the consumer. Um, now our visions change. We, we really recognize the important role of the agent in the transaction. And so our vision is to raise the real estate, real estate IQ, just as you do every day, uh, of the everyday agent uh, so that they can excel and deliver better services. Because we do not think the real estate agent is going away. However, we can talk about I do think there's a lot of things that are gnawing at the value proposition of the agent, and the industry needs to be ready for that so that they can sharpen their focus to deliver the services that are relevant in the context of what I, you know, we all talking about robots and machine learning, which is real stuff and is happening in the industry. Well, so let's keep everything real practical. Let's let's let's. Um for example, technology disruptors. I read last night on the Atlantic, uh, you know, magazine. I was reading about. Uh, I've been reading about, but they had a great long, long article on autonomous cars and, you know, all these neat mm. technologies that are coming out and the effects those are going to have. Yeah. And, you know, all that's kind of, in my mind, being that I'm focused on agents like you are, my mind immediately goes to, wow, wouldn't that be neat? You could sit in a car, you could have, you know, think how much more work you could get done, think how much more efficient it would be, Not, you know, all the benefits of autonomy, uh, autonomous cars, not to mention the, the added safety of them. Um, Technology-wise, yep. in, in the next, say, 24 months, what are the things that nobody in the industry is talking about but should be talking about that are per perhaps well, maybe disruptors in a good way or a bad way? Yeah. Well, one one of the most profound ones is, is the technology behind Bitcoin, which is called blockchain, which we probably may have talked about here. It sounds very esoteric and very complicated. 
but it is the new internet. And what that is about is instead of a top-down, you know, a single point of centric um, database management and transactions, we're going to be able to take all of the various databases, link them together like done with with Bitcoin, and we're going to really streamline and automate the transaction. And part of that is uh, identification of the homeowner uh, and the people in the transaction and verifiable identification, Tim. And the second is going to be verifiable identification of the home. And all the data is there. And what that, what that means is that I'm going to be able to quickly, with a few clicks, close a real estate transaction. And that is going to be a profound change from what we see today. Now, that doesn't eliminate the role of the agent. It just makes the agent's life easier for those that adopt it. But thanks to TRID, which is a kind of like national health care, is kind of this monster federal law that you know we should all be wary of. But with it, it's forcing the hand of, of, of transparency in the industry, which is the first step to blockchain technology being applied and it will automate the transaction. And to use some easier, simpler words, I call it closing in a box. And there's no reason that I should be able to wire today um, you know, $10 million to uh, somebody in the U.K. from my Merrill Lynch account. I'm not sure I have that much there. but um, And yet I can't buy a $300,000 house in Los Angeles without going through a 30- to 90-day close in all of these partners and intermediaries and that's going to really change the back end for the agents that are smart enough to get on top of this trend and it'll happen in the next 12 months this is happening um and whether it's the agent or the broker or it's zillow uh or whether it's the title companies or the banks but this it's called fintech which is financial technology it's taking hold in the financial community it's going to be applied to mortgages and our lives are going to be easier. And what's going to happen is consumers are going to expect it. Esoteric so similar, real stuff. Yeah. Well, so maybe a practical example is Squared, right? You know, the company that went yeah. public where essentially they're taking out all the intermediaries that are part of the yeah. any sort of, uh, you know, credit card transaction. I guess that would be similar to what you're describing, correct? Yeah. Exactly. And there's no so, reason we can't swipe a real estate closing. The only thing that's been in our way is the regulators, but now the regulators, thanks to TRID, are aligned in forcing transparency and the integration of the mortgage and title and transactional databases. And then the entrepreneurs are going to jump on this and create these really cool front ends where you don't even have to worry about all the stuff I'm talking about. You'll be able to click a button and I'll be able to close. You know, it started with digital docs. I used to say, if an agent was representing me and they didn't do digital docs, I said, I'm not buying this house from you. I'm not buying it from you. If you're not going to send me DocuSign, well, I don't have it. And I go, well, go download it for $99 and learn it in 30 minutes. That's what's going to happen to the rest of the transaction here very, very soon. Well, it is, it is interesting. You you bring up all these technologies, and, and um, ultimately it's, it's up to the agent to take the lead on that. But there are still lots of consumers that aren't comfortable with that. You know, the, yeah, maybe the are. first couple. Yeah, there are a lot of people out there that aren't, you know, that aren't really wanting to do anything digital. They want to have everything paper. So there's a lot of most of the industry is caught in this sort of, you know, one foot in the future, one foot in the past, where they have to be able to document at the same time. They have to be able to fax, or they have to be able to handle yeah, the no, paperwork. So, it, and I don't want to be. It's kind of like with Uber. You know, I was the early adopter of Uber, and Uber didn't take off until mothers in the Upper East Side, who are the most paranoid mothers in the world, the Upper East Side of New York, very, very wealthy people 
who have precious little cute little children that they think are you know God's gift to the world they were a, they they adopted Uber they put their kids in the town car and sent them off to school and then they could look at their phone and see where their kids were before they had to order a town car put them in a cab and once that happened once they felt secure and safe uh, then everybody started looking at it in New York and saying, wow, if those people are putting their kids in an Uber, it must be safe. Some of the things said about Uber in the beginning were ridiculous. Similar here. Think of how many times, Tim, over the last 15 years, we've heard privacy. We can't put listings on the Internet. Privacy. Then we heard we can put listings on the Internet, but we can't put the addresses. Privacy. This is an excuse for the failure to adopt these technologies. They're, they're lame excuses. It's better to do something digital than it is with paper. Paper sits around and people steal it out of your trash can. A digital transaction is safer, much, much, much safer than writing a check to use an ATM. So people, once they recognize that, you know, it'll be like, it'll happen so quickly that those that aren't up on it won't be able to deliver superior services. And again, that doesn't mean the agent's role, which I hire agents for. I want someone representing me to get every dollar they can and to make the transaction smooth. But if I'm aware of technologies out there they're not using, I won't use that agent. So listeners, remember what I told you at the top of the call. Listen to what he says. Listen to how he says it. Chances are you're right now, you're thinking this guy thinks big, and he does. Now, I'll tell you a place where you can tap into every single day and get access to this level of learning. It's Inman Select. So, Brad, let's talk about Inman Select. Why did you decide to start Inman Select? I know it has to have been more successful than you anticipated it being. I've never heard of anybody coming out with a product in the real estate industry where there was that, you know, tens of thousands of users, that quick of adoption. I've never heard of that happening. I wish we had that level of success. So has the success of Inman Select surprised you? Yeah, it did. And we made some pretty big changes. What I recognized, you know, I'd be kind of been away from the company, Tim, for about a dozen years. I owned the company and, you know, my name's on the company, but I'd had operators running the company. And we did a really good job with editorial and with events. And we had a lot of people who, you know, read us every single day. But I came back and I looked at some really significant growth in our readership as we sharpened our pen around thinking about the quality of the editorial. And this was the this was the kind of the new standard of our editorial direction, Tim. It was, uh, why is this important to me as a realtor? And how will it help my business? Or as you might say, how will it make me money? We began to use okay. that test. The second thing we did is we dragged more and more people from the community into our stories, from profiles, video profiles. We now have 500 contributors that, you know, we, can, we constantly are helping who are writing more relevant copy. Our paid journalists are more focused on what's relevant to the agent. We did a whole makeover of the site, the experience, and we did something unusual. We said, if this has real value, then you should pay for it. Um, Rich Barton apparently quoted me when I was up at Zillow talking to the Zillow employees recently that uh, I had said, I'm going to give him credit for it. He said, Zillow, or pardon me, Select isn't a paywall. Select is uh, an opportunity and a privilege for people to pay for it. And I think the point of that is we've really doubled down on our content. Some people say too much content, but my view is just keep pouring it on and pouring it on thick and make sure the stuff is relevant. We don't always hit the bar, but you, know, you as an example, are an incredible contributor to Inman, and you're always you know, proffering and giving advice to our readership on what's you know, important about 
uh, what's important out there that makes you successful. And so that it was a big change for the company. But what was unbelievable was the adoption. You know, oddly enough, it doubled our readership. It didn't shrink our readership. And the reason that happened is we had so many group memberships on top of the individual memberships. So Keller Williams is an example. They're a big group member. They started probably when we were, you know, beginning, we may have had five or 6,000 of them regular readers. You know, now we have over 50,000 who are totally engaged in the system as members. Um, and so our readership has just exploded. And the adoption, you know, just every day, is staggering how many people join and become Inman Select members. Well, the thing that makes it unique is that you are providing a soapbox, in some cases, for people from all different kinds of brokerages and agents of all different levels of uh, success where they can obviously come and exchange and be part of a community, and that's what it feels like, which is really cool what you've done on Inman Select. But the other thing that's nice is that your contributors, you. you know, they're, they're not professional writers for the most of them, even though some of them obviously could be, myself excluded. So the reality no, of it is, is that... The, the reality of it is is that it's a place where somebody who is, say, for example, a Keller Williams agent can feel okay, safe, not like they're going to be judged, and go in here and yep. exchange information with, say, for example, someone that's in from a to- maybe even a competing brokerage. And there's nothing yep. else like that in the industry, Brad. There used to be. You know, Howard Brenton used to do that, you know, but nobody yep. else does that now. There's no other safe places where people can feel like they can go and maybe question the dogma that they're hearing from their brokers. You know, there's a lot of agents out there right now that are saying, really, is this team thing? Is this really for me? And they don't feel comfortable necessarily yep. talking about that in their environment. So, But they can on Inman, and there's differing opinions on why it might be good, why it not be good. And, there's, and, and that's, the, that's the cool thing. You guys do – this is the other thing I, I hear all the time – is that people will say, one month it'll be like, man, those people are, Inman's all over Zillow, man. Every article is about Zillow, and, you know, they're always trying to, agents are complaining about it. And then the next month it'll be like, man, Inman's saying way too many nice things about Zillow. Zillow must secretly own Inman. You know, it's just yeah. one of those funny things. How do you get that balance yeah. right? That must be almost impossible. Well, it's funny. Zillow is, is unhappy with us a lot, and people may not know that. And uh, you know, I'll occasionally get a, an email from one of the executives saying, oh, that was a great article. But then next week, my editor, Amber, you know, they're coming down her throat. And so, and there's an example. Zillow's not an advertiser. They're, they certainly, Inman is owned 100% by me. And I don't have any investments in any other real estate things at all. So not only does Zillow not have any stake in Inman, but I don't have any stake in I get startups every day that want to give me shares to be an advisor, want me to be on a board, want me to invest. And, and, I, and I will confess here, though, Tim, back in the day, I started HomeGain when I owned Inman News. I stepped away from the company. I had a CEO and I had an editor, and I didn't interfere with the editorial direction of the company. But just the fact that I owned that company created a perception of conflict. So what I've done over the last 10 years is just decided – you know, I could probably make more money. I could make more money by selling our content or selling the stage out, but we just don't do it. And I could probably make more money by uh, letting these startups give me shares in all their companies to consult or advise or be on their board. But, it, you know, it's just cleaner and easier. As I get older in life, you know, you want it simpler, cleaner, and it's just no conflicts. And if you look at Inman News and read the writers, all of the things about all of our writers, any conflicts, and I don't think there are any, but anything that they're invested in or anything, it's all there. 
It's all public. It's all very transparent. Uh, but, you know, we can say that to we're blue in the face, Tim, and people still think that, you know, someone owns this. And it, it's so funny. They'll see one article they don't like, and the reaction is Zillow owns Inman. You know, it's just not true. Well, it's because people like, in our industry especially, not necessarily in other industries we've consulted in, but agents seem to look for reasons to be skeptics because that way they give themselves excuses to be complacent. That's my theory. That's on that. a great way so, of putting it, Tim. That's that's so eloquent. That is, you just I think really nailed it. You know, and one week what I say is one week Zillow's mad at me, and one week they're happy with us, and one week Realtors mad at us, and then they're happy with us. NAR's mad, Cobalt Bankers mad, then they're not mad, then they're happy with us. It's just the news business. If you're independent, if you don't wake up in the morning with an agenda, other than what with you know one agenda we have is raise the real estate IQ to create a better consumer experience, but. If you don't, if you don't wake up with you know a chip on your shoulder, um, and we have made mistakes, but if you don't do that, then you know not everyone's ever going to be completely happy with you, and that probably is a measure of success in a news business. For sure, um, you know it's interesting. We talk about the portals. It doesn't. It's interesting. That's not even a conversation that it seems to be fading, doesn't it? Like portals yeah. used to be the topic like a year ago, eighteen months ago. Yeah. Um, everyone was worried about them. What was this company going to do? That now it's like you know it's just sort of like fading, and they're almost becoming like utilities in the industry. It feels like. Yeah. You know, I, people are. Tim, you, know, you just nailed it. I think. I think that's exactly what, and I think utility example is exactly what's happening. They're integrated into the fiber of the real estate transaction, whether you like it or not. And it is something that you learn to live with one way or the other. You either leverage or you ignore. Um, but it's not going away. And I think you're right. It's died down. It, it was it was the issue in the first half of this year. In the last half, I think it's all moving to the back end. That, I, and it sounds so boring. It's not as fun as leads. and you know. Uh, but that's where it's all moving. And it's moving really fast and furious there. So agents are addicted to the novel. They're absolutely, positively loving whatever, you know, is the new shiny. Now, the most successful agents don't operate like this. They'll, you know, they'll realize that there's always going to be some new whiz-bang idea that will flame up and go away, you know, usually in less than a year. That happens all the time in this in this space. People will come up, oh, there's a great way to advertise on Facebook, and agents will all run towards Facebook. Is that something you see in other industries where people are so addicted to the bright, shiny light? Yeah, I think it's true. I mean, um, I've been in the ebook business, the internet video business. I've been in a lot of, you know, the digital media business. There's some things that are sustainable, but you look at the tech washout rate, Tim, you know, 95% of tech startups uh, are washed out. You know, there's a great commercial that GE's got on television right now about the young nerdy engineer who's who's writing code for the back end of, of GE for things like factories and trains and and he's made fun of by his peers who are writing ridiculous little apps with you know pictures of puppies and that is the nature of a lot of the stuff in Silicon Valley so it's ridiculous stupid stuff and a rock solid agent is smart enough to discern between that shiny new object that's ridiculously waste of time and things that are more substantial and that's kind of what we feel our duty is, is to help. And we don't always do a great job at it because we, too, get impressed by something that looks very cool. And I'll use two examples that Brad Inman's impressed by. And in a year, you'll probably say he's ridiculous. And as I always say, I'm, half, I'm wrong half the time, absolutely wrong half the time. Um, and that's why I tell agents, try everything. Half of it won't work, but the half that does work, 
uh, will make you more competitive than your competitors. But here's two things I'm enamored with. You tell me, Tim. You're smarter than I on this stuff. Uh, one is, you know, where I can automatically see a listing without going through all of this crazy stuff. And I'll use Uber again. Uh, you know, I have to go through a dispatcher to get a car. I got to hail a cab. I got to call a cab. I got to wait for a cab. I got to do all this stuff. And this happens in every industry, right? But this idea that I can more instantly see a house, and I'm married to a woman, when she sees a listing, she wants to see it now. But think how ridiculous it is. I have to call my agent, who has to call their agent, who has to then set aside time to meet me. Um, and, you know, it, it just seems like we could do this in a smarter, better way without the agent losing control. Uh, that's one thing I'm a little enamored with because there's all these new technologies for showings that are pretty intriguing. The other one is being worked on by Open Door, which is this kind of secretive technology uh, group of innovators down in Arizona where they're buying houses and they're testing all these things. And one is the automated offer. Uh, again, these look like erosions of the role of the agent. And for, for stupid agents, they will be. But for smart agents, they won't be. But those are two things. I don't know. In a year, well, I'll let, know. They let, were, I wasted my time thinking about them. Let's hover on those two things. The first idea is brilliant on the surface, right? Maybe when there's aut autonomous cars, then you can just basically have your buyers. You can email them a list. They already have passcodes to get into secure lockboxes. They show the houses themselves. I mean, there there is some sort of beautiful future out there, probably in another 10 years. So there's that. Now, let me, Tim, by the way, on this, let me go back to blockchain to try to weave these things together for you and your listeners. Blockchain verifies my identity as good as a right. bank taking money out of my ATM. They verify the house as good as a bank transaction. Once that happens, why wouldn't you give me the passcode? That's right. You're right, exactly. I have all, I don't, there doesn't need to be an agent. Well, on upper-end real estate, I'll, for sure, the sellers are going to want an agent to be there showing the property. There's that. But on most of the houses and most of the, in most of the states, you're right, absolutely. And that's a higher level. Truthfully, Brad, what you just described is a higher level of prequalification and verification than 95% oh, totally. of the agents do it, now before they work with buyers. It's good for the agents. And could you, exactly. You know what happens now? You ran, I go into cities. I want to see a house. I call the agent. They return my they call. show up. I guess they may <laughs> Google me. Right, but probably not. They show up. That is scary. That's like writing a check is dangerous. It's better to do digital yep. financial transactions. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we had 120% verification of who we are, 100% verification of the house? We would reduce the amount of criminal things that happen to poor agents because it's more secure, it is safer, and it saves everybody time. It's like putting listings on the Internet. It's a filter for the agent to get to the qualified buyer. That's been an aid to smart agents. This will be a further qualifying of the lead so you don't waste your valuable time because time is money for agents. You just said something, Brad. Again, listeners, pay attention. If you're entrepreneurially minded, listen to what he just said. Don't get stuck on the idea that you don't like the fact that in this idea the agent's not showing the property, the agent will lose control. Set all that mindset stuff aside. Listen to what he just said because he's right. If you're a consumer and you're out there in a market and you're looking for properties and you can choose a brokerage that basically has this you know, fast way of going and getting access to properties. Yes, it's going to have higher levels of, you know, prequalification. But think how many more leads you'll generate. If you drop the barrier for prospective buyers to look at your properties where they know they don't have to call and they don't have to deal with all the rigmarole, 
you know as well as I do, agents, that you're going to get a lot more leads. And then when they want to see the house, they do have to get pre-qualified in order to pass some low-level security tests to get access to the property. That is brilliant. So listeners, hopefully you're paying attention to that. Brad, do you mind if we talk about Glassdoor for a few minutes? Yeah, or yeah, I'm, the other I'm company? Uh, Open Door, right, yep. Mm-hmm. Open Door, Which sorry. Which one, Glassdoor so, or Open? Uh, I know the difference. I screwed up. Open Door. So no, that's Open right. Door... Open Door is a potentially disruptive company. Um, Very. I personally think of everything that has come out since uh, you know, forever in the real estate industry, what they can do to the industry um, would be the most impactful, more so than anything else we've ever talked about, in my yep. opinion. Be- because yep. you take the hassle away from the seller, and agents – Listing agents own control the industry. It's not the buyer's agents. It's not the brokers. It's not the this, the that, or the other. It's the agents who know how to go after listings. And if you guys aren't familiar with this company, Brad, can you describe their value proposition to consumers? Yeah, I mean, Open Door is there's a there's a gentleman from Trulia, and then there's some of the guys from PayPal. So these are really super super smart characters. And right now, and let's be clear what right now is versus what they may do in the future. They promise the consumer will buy your house from you. And so they're taking their venture capital. They're using that capital to buy houses from actual consumers. So you can skip months of selling and start, as they say, your next chapter. So that's the proposition. And then it's listed, and they work they work closely with agents. Uh, they're not in any way saying they're getting rid of agents. But that's not the important thing. That's the business model today. I have no clue what it will be in the future. But what they're building is incredible talk technology, technology around the showing, technology around the offer. And that's the stuff. In January, I think at Connect or around that time, we're going to hear about a whole bunch of stuff that they're putting together. And what they're doing, they're not going out there saying, oh, we're disrupting the industry, we're getting rid of the industry, we're getting rid of agents, like so many young entrepreneurs. These are seasoned, experienced people. What they're doing is using this business model of buying homes to build technology around it that really, really, really works. So, they're, you know, And they could blow up, too. These things do blow up. And no one knows for sure what the ultimate business model would be, and I'm not suggesting it's going to be something that people should be fearful of, but they are building better than anybody I know this the the features that we just talked about and the automated offer is a big part of that. It, and it's incredible too. I mean, you know, you go to the, you it, say they're in parts of California. I think they're in parts of Arizona. I don't know if they've yep. expanded and they're te- doing tests in any other market. But guys, go online, Google them, go to their site, do your own homework on them, and study the concepts. Look to see what they're doing. And if you're in one of the markets where they are, go to your MLS and see how many houses they are. Try to get a sense of what they're acquiring. Maybe go to property records to see how many consumers they're actually attracting. That's going to be a great indicator of what's coming next in the industry. Because personally, I think that they're a value proposition. Now, can they contain what happens if the market, you know, (laughs) goes in the crapper? What happens this? What happens that? Are they going to lease properties? Are they going to be able to sell them for a loss? Are they getting, I don't know. But guys, conceptually, they are taking essentially the hassle away from the seller. Seller goes to the site, seller gets a value, seller agrees to the value, they do an inspection, um, it, the seller chooses the close date, seller chooses the move out date, there's no showings, there's no hassle, there's no nothing. They're just out. They do sell it for marginally less than what market value is, but anybody who's been a listing agent will know that 
there is rarely a seller that won't take marginally less money for a lot less hassle. So their value proposition there is very exciting. Agents, study that. Pay attention to that. Portals, uh, paperwork, all that, that's all ancillary to that specific thing because if they can pull that off, that's going to be a game changer. Going forward, yeah. Brad, 10, 20, 30 years. Well, let's let's keep it more practical. Ten, five to ten years, are you um, – where would you rate your optimism or where would you rate your – some people are worried about the real estate industry. They're worried about interest rates. They're worried about this. They're worried about that. Again, the skeptics that try to find these reasons basically to become complacent. That's my opinion. What is your opinion of the industry on a whole going forward? Well, I think there's going to be incredible disruption by, by in the franchise world. I mean, I think if you look at Keller Williams, it's about disruption. I'm not sure it's the, it's the – it's the end game for franchises, but it's an example of, uh, you know, an agent-centric model. I think some people just disagree with me, but uh, so far that's been their focus. Um, I think brokers that aren't really incredibly clever and agent-centric and providing mounds and mounds of service to agents and are, aren't in this game of tension over commission splits, um, you know, will be around, but they'll look completely different, and they'll be more in like a technology servicing or a SaaS model. Uh, they'll be much more automated. And I think the agent, even though all these tools are going to be available, uh, that, you know, seemingly erode the role of the agent. I think the agent will never be more important, and it's, it's, it's because of this. Um, I do this every seven to ten years. I do it a little more frequently than that, but the average consumer does it. And... When I hire an agent, I'll use an example of two agents I used in West Hollywood. I had an agent in West Hollywood, you know, that I randomly picked, not a very good referral, not very smart. As much as I know about all this stuff, I was pretty stupid and literally met the agent on the street when she was walking her dog and I was looking at an open house. <coughs> and she didn't know about the neighborhood enough. She kind of glossed over it. And then I went out and got a real agent. And this agent knew every house and he knew every block. And he knew every building and he knew every rule and every regulation about this neighborhood. You know, he could have renamed his company 90046. And I felt, one, I was getting superior market advice that, you know, was a, a head above all the digital data and information that I was coming through. The second thing that agent was, was a keen negotiator. I use bankers when I sell companies and I bought companies. And why do I do that is I want someone representing me who doesn't leave money in the table and leaves me no contingent liability. So the agent of the future has got to know their territory beyond belief. This idea of skipping around the country and selling real estate here or there and not having that familiarity, yeah, I think that's an opportunistic moment in time for people. But over time, the excellence will be found in agents that truly, truly know the inventory, know the rules and regulations, know everything that's going on in that neighborhood that creates a maximum value proposition for the sellers and the buyers. And the second thing they will do is represent me in that transaction because I want someone representing so I don't leave money on the table that far exceeds the 6% and far exceeds anything that I might pay indirectly as a buyer. Um, and, and that will be, you know, and there will be, by the way, there will be commission compression, which is already happening. Uh, there will be new ways for agents to make money, which is already happening. And there will be new services that agent will be expected to provide. And there will be ancillary businesses that agents can be at the center of if they choose to. And we're already seeing that with the next generation of agents that are 
you know, whether it be expansion teams or leveraging technology for lead generation, or there's all kinds of new businesses that are sprouting around the industry. And these used to be taken up by technology companies, but the smart, savvy agents that are deploying the latest, greatest technology, they're taking advantage of those opportunities and pursuing them. So, you know, the big picture, you know, it's hard to really, a year out is about as far as I can think or go. Um, but th- those are kind of directionally where I see things. I had one of the presidents of um, uh, a big uh, North Carolina-based or Indianapolis-based, um, Brandon Jackson. I know Brandon's a listener, so hey, Brandon. Uh, so I, he asked me a great question today. He thought he asked me if he, you know he asked me this question. But I'm going to ask you this question: If you had a young person, say in their 20s, you know, great education, even living in San Francisco, New York, so lots and lots of opportunities, and they came to you and they said, you know, should I become a real estate agent? Keeping it practical to our listenership, what would you tell them? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think there's ever been a, a bigger opportunity, but I do think the bar should, you know, you yourself as an agent, it's not like a second-rate like profession because you will not succeed. Uh, I mean, if you got sales in your genes, you'll be successful for a while, but you need to be a little more sophisticated, a little more financially inclined, a little more strategic. You need to be very data-oriented. You may be very comfortable with adopting all the greatest technology. Uh, and you still have to have those core sales skills, Tim, that you talk about. Those are, those are really, really essential to success. Uh, but if you do that, there's still, in real estate, this huge opportunity to make money. But I'll just use, I'll use my son as an example. He and his friends are all in real estate one way or the other. But they're buying, selling, developing, buying property. But they're also partners with these incredible young agents. And it's not about having uh, the old school of relationships. In fact, I had a conversation with Matt Beal yesterday in Hawaii, who's built this incredible brokerage at you know under 40 in Hawaii. And he said it's about performance versus relationship. The old school is your relationships. You could just depend on your relationships. Well, my son, when he uses an agent, he's, he doesn't care about the relationship. He doesn't hang out or go to dinner and... His social life is not about that. He is totally focused on their performance. And a lot of them, these developers and others, are agents, or they're agents that have got into his world, and they're all partners, and they're leveraging all facets of the transaction. As you know, Tim, smart agents buy property. Smart agents invest. Smart agents are using Airbnb. And these are the ancillary things that come about when you're a really smart, savvy agent. And the agents that see that bigger strategic business opportunity uh, are going to enter the business more and more and more, and they're going to be educated, and they're going to be savvy, and they're going to continue the 80-20 rule that we've all known about um, because they have a more multidimensional background, and the result is a big business and a big opportunity. They understand that people nowadays – they're not paying for a service; they're paying for a result. That's that's kind of the bottom yeah, line. And they're also great, great way I, of putting it. And I'm seeing it happen exactly what you just said. I was interviewing Michael Gordon, and him and his wife are one of the most successful. They actually was featured on your website. So, you know, yep. one of the most successful agent teams um, probably in the world. And you know, it's very fascinating. I've been coaching him forever, over a decade, on and off. And one of the things that he said to me on this radio show, which I thought was really fascinating, especially coming from where he is, where the air is very rare because they're sort of dealing with this, you know, the blue blood of American society, very wealthy, you know, fifth, sixth generation type wealthy American families on the East Coast. He said that his 
competitor, the nature of his competitor has changed dramatically in just the past five years. People are getting in the industry that are seeing this as they're not just like the traditional person that couldn't get a job or, you know, they're not just looking to basically earn money to buy a couch, you know. That's kind of, I know that some of you guys makes your teeth itch when I talk like about that is the nature of how the industry has been forever. Uh, part-timers mostly. And now, and nothing wrong with part-timers. Some of the part-timers are becoming very successful. But this new breed of agent, they are uh, everything you just said. And they're seeing this as a business opportunity. They're seeing this as a, you know, they could uh, maybe buy a franchise or they could maybe get a job at Google, but they're looking at real estate as their place where they're going to make their fortune and make the difference in the world that they're hoping to make. And the uh, institutional agents, the institutional brokers, they sure as hell be pay, better be paying attention to these new types of agents because they're not going to wait around for you to figure it out. They're just going to take action and they're going to change the rules. And, and that's what's exciting about Inman Select because those yeah. are the people that you're attracting. You know, those are the people that yeah. I read. You know, that's what's cool about the community that you've created. So, you know, I, I really praise you for having done something that no one's ever done before. And I'm sure a lot of people thought you couldn't do it, but you have and been incredibly successful at it. So as we round the bend on today's radio show, anything else you'd like to say out there to the up to 100,000 people that typically listen to these shows? Well, one, uh, thank you, Tim, for all your support. And you've really helped us grow select. And you're just the kind of guy that we love to partner with. And you and I are going to be announcing more deals and partnerships that benefit hopefully our readers and and your clients and your listeners um i'd also just like to extend i know there's a lot of select members out there and my gratitude uh for your business uh you pay me to deliver really important content and if we're ever failing feel free to anytime uh email me brad at inman.com or call me direct i take phone calls 510-735-7904 if you have an idea if you have a story idea if you have an agent or a broker or someone you think we should profile if we ever get it wrong please tell us but i just want to extend my gratitude for my customers and our readers uh we wake up every morning trying to do the best we can for you and we truly care about this industry and really 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 care about the everyday agent who wakes up every morning without a job so, Mr. Inman, on behalf of myself and all of our faculty and staff and all the other agents out there, we do sincerely appreciate the difference that you're making in the industry uh, and keep it up. And anything we can do to support you in doing that, we're obviously going to do it. And thank you very much for being my co-host on today's uh, radio show. Thank you. Onward, as I say. Onward, indeed. Uh, Merry Christmas, everyone, and um, we'll talk with you on the radio tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.